podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Um, hello guys, welcome on the day two last ball drop shows. Uh, last ball drops show. Um, there was already some action in the comments. I see Jake in, partic- in particular has been very excited about today's uh, episode. Also on Twitter, I think he made a very similar. Um, he made a very similar tweet. So um, yeah, we're we're gonna bring it to you, even though we only saw eight matches today. So that was quite weird. I mean, eight matches and some. Um, I don't know, like 10 or 15 sets maybe in some other games. But yeah, uh, that was quite weird to to watch, right? Yeah, that was insanely uh, unconventional day two of, of a major for sure. Um, just being so little tennis. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm sure we'll have so much more to talk about tomorrow when there's 87 matches being played in total in singles. So uh, yeah, brace yourself for a chaotic day and no rain, hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, center court, uh, maybe let's start from the very first. Oh, actually, it wasn't the center court. It was actually court number one. But I wanted to start with the uh, Carlos Alcaraz, Jeremy Shardy match. Uh, you know, six love, six two, seven five for Carlos. Um, straight uh, forward, but also, you know, the third set actually kind of got competitive. Do you think they're, you know, we learned anything out of this? And yeah, what did you think of Shardy's potentially last match of his career? You know, that's what he said. Some players have been coming back, but um, let's say it's it's probably the last match of his career. Yeah, I mean, if it is the last match, I think he gave a good account of himself in the third set. <laughs> Not so much in the first two sets where his ball toss was all over the place and, uh, you know, Carlos was just way too good for him. But I felt like in the second set, you know, actually... He, he started to play a lot more attacking and he started to play kind of more like old Shardy for, for a good bit and his nerves settled down and Carlos actually, you know, he, he got tight for one game and his, you know, he, he also started to, uh, you know, fluctuate in his level just a tad to allow Shardy to, to really step up. But I think, it, you know, it just wasn't enough in the end and uh, overall it was still a pretty predictable result. You kind of knew going in how that it was going to be straight sets out for Carlos, but uh but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Shardy, like, you know, I've I've followed, been following him for like the last 10 years and he's had some good moments here and there and some good wins and definitely, uh, yeah, pretty good career. And now he's successfully coaching Ugo and Bear. So I guess that's the next uh, part of his life, right? Um, yeah, I'm just laughing because uh, Ghosty called me Dr. Horror. Not not, not <laughs> quite yet, Ghosty. Uh, it's going to be in like nine days. Um, so far, I've just submitted my uh, my MA thesis. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're very much right that in the in the first two sets, he's, he just was struggling so much with the serve. And this was supposed to be his asset. Like if, if Shardy was ever going to have a chance in this match, it was by serving great and it was by hitting insane plus one forehands, which is basically what he's been doing his whole career. And that just wasn't that just wasn't really working out there. So um, yeah, fine that he that he got that third set. Um, I saw that he also took it like took it like a man. Let's say you know the class the classic that he is, uh, yeah. Jeremy Chardy. Um, he kind of took it great and you know was laughing even sometimes at um, you know just the sheer um, yeah just how much how lopsided the scoreboard was. Um, I think 
perhaps you know we, you can say that Shardy is pretty slow at this stage of his career, but I think that the, the ball striking level from Alcaraz was still very very high, and this was like the kind of comfort level when it comes to the movement and also yeah just how violent the forehand was, where you actually you know start believing in him potentially having a shot at winning this Wimbledon, even if it's Djokovic in the final. I'm not saying he would be the favorite, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a very convincing performance anyway, even if it was against Jeremy Chardy, um, who was on the verge of retirement and like literally on the verge of, of retirement. Of course, he will stay on the tour, at least to some extent, since uh, he is still coaching Hugo Humbert and seems to be doing great in that uh, position as well. Um, yeah, another thing, um, I guess the uh, title defense of Elena Rybakina has started against Shelby Rogers. You know, Shelby Rogers, one of the giant killers um, that we have, like, over the years, we've learned that she is capable of upsetting basically anyone on her day. And while it never really got that close here, you know, she she did. She did threaten. Yeah, there was, there, there was certainly a point where I thought, hmm, okay, this upset could be on, especially because it took Rybakina you know, a good set to really settle into the into the match and on her return. But I think when she figured that part out of it and she was able to kind of settle in, like, I think this is the nerves and the whole occasion, actually. Like, in this case, like, you know, walking off, you know, walking on right after that huge uh, so celebration for Federer and the, you know, the standing ovation and just kind of, and I think she idolized Federer as well. Or, I mean, many oh, players yeah, do. Yeah. So I think, uh, so I think just, and then, you know, you could see it kind of in the first game, she had a double followed her. Her serve was a little bit. I, I was more just kind of concerned. How is she going to be physically? And I think we we kind of got our answers that I think she'll be she'll be just fine. I think she'll settle into this tournament, hopefully well. I mean that doesn't mean that she's going to go and win the thing again. But I think, uh, but I think at least in the last two sets, you know, she it, it just it ended on a really good note for her. And uh, yeah, I mean Rogers, uh, Rogers is tough. Like you don't want to you don't want to see that in the in the first round. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Rogers is like you know the the best player not to win a WTA tour title, I suppose. I don't know history. Like, I hasn't, I haven't actually checked uh, whether historically there there have been any that could contend with her. But like right now on the WTA yeah. tour, she's quite, she's definitely up there. Uh, Max, I yeah, see that she her changed and, her. Mm -hmm. Her and Tomjanovic mm -hmm. and maybe Sasnovic. Yeah, Tomjanovic. Tomjanovic probably is is right around there. I think Rogers has like four finals or something like that, right? Or maybe three finals. I can't remember. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe just two actually. <laughs> you know, never mind. Anyway, um, of course, uh, you know, she she came out firing. She didn't quite keep that intensity, and then like the level of serving from, um, the level of serving from uh, Rybakina in the in the in sets two and three was just impeccable. Now, uh, she basically uh, didn't take anything off. And at the same time, she upped her first serve percentage by like 25%. So she was yeah. getting it in at 75% and winning 90% of them. So uh, you cannot beat her when she's playing like that, or like at least you cannot break her. So um, yeah, if she keeps it up. And I think there was a slight de like degree of uncertainty when it comes to Rebakina because she had that viral infection or whatever it was. And then, of course, uh, the slightly early loss to Vekic but you know it's Vekic it's an excellent grass quarter so it's nothing really to be worried about but um yeah some er some struggle but yeah then again she, she just cleaned up the, the the next two sets so easily that I don't think it was really um you know anything that her fans should be worried about she is definitely here uh as still here as one of them one of the contenders to win um 
I think that, uh, by the way, Max, I love your uh, pro new profile uh, photo on YouTube. I think that's Nora Jones. Um, come away with me. Um, yeah, and anyway, uh, let's get to some uh, other things. Uh, basically, we are going to be talking about every match today because why not right i mean there's just there's eight matches why wouldn't we do that so uh maybe let's talk about the next match that happened on um center court which was andy murray over ryan peniston i mean we kind of knew that it was going to be straightforward and like i i think we've at least definitely i have said a few times that i do not understand how ryan peniston is getting these queen runs queen's runs every single year but it was yeah. still quite harsh <laughs> it, it still wasn't the extent of the victory that i was expecting yeah and i think murray will gladly take it because he needs every single easy win that he can get at this stage of his career in a best of five set format and yeah i mean i, I have to say like murray was really on like his movement and his footwork and everything was some of the best i've seen in the last five five years or so uh, i would say um just you know it wasn't really tested much so i can't you know well i guess we'll find out more in the next round but i think uh uh yeah you're right i mean six games is harsh for for peniston especially with the results that he had at queens four just, games uh, even yeah 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 four games um it's yeah it's brutal uh, but <laughs> but i think uh i think he'll he'll gladly take it and now he has an extra day of rest compared to whoever he'll face in the um yeah in the second round so yeah i think i think our pick of murray maybe getting to the second week is is looking more and more likely yeah especially with steph now down the side to the team right that like that's yeah. that's what makes it even more likely i think if murray is going to play team in the second round i don't think team has that much of a chance whereas Tsitsipas, you still give him some sort of a an opportunity for sure. Um, then I think on court number one, it was Onjaber against Magda Magdalena Frank, second up, which um, honestly, I, I kind of expected that maybe Frank will have some sort of a shot there, but you know, it was 6-3, 6-3, and I think, you know, just the dominance of the baseline was just way too, uh, way too big. And like the, the, the first serve of Jaber, of course, even if she wasn't landing it that much, but it was still giving her so many free points. And I think the most like, um, glaring stat from this match is that Jaber hit 33 winners and Frank hit four. Yeah, that I mean, and that's what it looked like, right? I mean, it looked like Jabor yeah. was just on top of the baseline, just you know, dictating terms, and like she served really, really well. So I think that's that's crucial because she's not she doesn't have one of the biggest serves, but she she has she has good placement and she can bury it around the box pretty nicely, like she was doing last year but i actually you know even though she got to the final last year she wasn't always at her best and she was she was not she she was it wasn't like a clinical run to the final and wasn't the you know sternest sternest uh, competition but i think uh, and 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 her grass lead up this time around and just the trajectory of where she's at this year compared to last it's it's very different but in some ways it kind of takes the pressure off of her and i think you know she's playing sort of with that with that freedom and i don't think you know she's expecting to win this title or anything whereas last year she was really a big goal on her mind and she really wanted to go in and be like i can i can win this thing i should win this thing so but uh but yeah i mean it's it's nice to watch her in full flow um yeah i i kind of get it you know i think if, if she was defending the runner-up points then i wouldn't really agree with the argument that you know the pressure is off but you know, with the fact that no one is really defending anything at Wimbledon, and yeah. Um, yeah, maybe maybe it just doesn't really matter that she was the runner-up last year. Although I guess you know it kind of still uh, makes the expectations higher, just you know maybe for her internally. 
um, she yeah. is still, of course, looking for that maiden grandstand title and perhaps feels that this could be one of one of the chances. But yeah, that that bottom half is just so stacked that we're we're gonna have to see. And speaking of that bottom uh, stacked bottom half, uh, the last women's match that was finished today was uh, Arena Sabalenka beating Panna Udvardi. Um, do we have anything to say about that? Even I mean. It was just way too straightforward. Again, a huge contrast when it comes to the number of winners. Almost yeah. Frank uh, Jaber-like. Uh, Udvardi hit four and Sabalenka hit 29. I think in this case, it's perhaps even more striking because usually Udvardi would... I mean, she would contest the baseline at least a bit more against most players, whereas Frank, you know, she's just a hardcore counterpuncher. But yeah, Sabalenka just never really gave her the chance. Yeah, this was this was straight up just one way traffic all throughout. Honestly, I don't know if I have much to add add with what you said because it was just yeah, it was very straightforward. Yeah, I mean absolutely. And um, let's actually start talking about matches that were not straightforward because we had them today, and um, I would say that even the the best two were actually the ones that weren't supposed to be on center court and court one. But let's maybe start with the one that uh, initially was scheduled there. So Kamnori against Thomas Mahaj. Uh, fairly dangerous test, uh, I think, in the opening round. Uh, Mahaj maybe hasn't been focusing on his grass schedule, but, uh, you know, he is usually really good in low bouncing conditions. Um, honestly, I was also like slightly disappointed i thought that it was going to be a little closer like of course he took a set but it didn't really feel like uh, nori was in trouble at any point other than the break points i guess at four three right and in, in yeah, the four before yeah yeah three four serving two break points that was uh that was the only time where i felt like oh this could actually go into a fifth yeah but, but apart from that yeah i mean actually like he gave a good account of himself. I mean, I would say you know he played, he played uh, pretty much, pretty much some good tennis. You know, in the second set, and then you know at times in the fourth. But I think uh, I think Nori was just a uh, was just a step too good, and his his uh you know I mean his first serve was when when it was firing he he won like basically almost eighty percent of his points. I'll have to double check the stats, but I think at one point it was, oh yeah, seventy seven percent. Okay, yeah, I mean so. Yeah, he was. He, I, I guess you know it was a good, good test for Cam in the first round. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what it's like when he plays against either Eubanks. I'm guessing as a second round opponent, Eubanks or uh, Montero. Yeah, if I remember yeah. correctly, that's. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I guess yeah, Eubanks could potentially be a test already, and and certainly everyone's looking at that um, Corda. Um, round three matchup as as something where um, Nori could potentially struggle. Uh, Ghosty, how do you, uh, is asking how do you say uh, Frank? It's yeah, it's like that Frank. It's um, that that's because it's not an E. Yeah. It's like an E with a something with a tail. I don't know. Um, so that's why it's that way. It's Frank, not um, not Frank. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's get to the two matches that were actually really exciting compared to all of the things that happened today at Wimbledon. And it was maybe let's get to this one first. Quentin Alice, Dan, Dan Evans. Uh, we started this one today with Alice being two sets to love up. I did not get, get to see much of the, uh, like, you know, when it was initially 
uh, played out on one of the outside courts. But I've heard that like he was playing some insane big boy tennis and you know, just just hitting <laughs> hitting insanely huge on the serve and on the groundies. Today yeah. was much tighter. Um, things was a very you know commendable effort from Evans to to make it um, so close. Uh, but still, you know, some incredible serving again from the Frenchman, as you would probably expect from him. But also, um, yeah, just taking the ball very early, never really giving uh, Evans that much space to breathe in, in his own service games. And um, the only thing he really did wrong, I think, was that uh, volley at 5-0 in the first tiebreak, which he completely yeah. botched up. But after that, he was clean. And um, yeah, I guess he just shows that he is going to be very tough for Sinner in round three. Yeah, interesting. Actually, yeah, I didn't. Uh, it's I, I think it's either him or Vukic in the in the third round for for Sinner, right? But, uh, uh, but it's, I think, Vuk yeah. it's Vukic Altmaier. Uh, I think they're still playing, and okay. then um, one of them is gonna play Alice, and uh, yeah, and then Sinner, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not. I mean. I mean. Halis is like pretty good on fast courts like i you know when he's on like i love uh, he's he's actually quite quite a force to be reckoned with like he hits his his first serve his forehand the way he can like take the ball early and then cut the angle and then oh go sorry vukic won already yeah, yeah, okay i i, I, I okay I sorry say, I um sorry game. sorry guys i actually <laughs> thought that was suspended late in the fourth maybe maybe there was like a rain delay where it was suspended and then they came back or something like that yeah. sorry yeah, but I actually, you know, you know, it was fun to watch the contrast because Evans, uh, Evans played a lot better this time around than, than he did than he did yesterday. From what I can see, I didn't get to watch much of the six three six two score part of this of this match, but I think, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think I think Halis really had to come up with some of his best stuff and like just the combination of like trying to come forward but then contending with Evans a slice and then finishing point finishing the point at the net where you know Evans can't really overpower him. I think that was an advantage for. For Halis in, in a situation like this, like he just has more weapons at his disposal, you know, and uh, like just bread and butter plays. Whereas, uh, you know, Evans just has to try to try and make something happen and kind of withstand the barrage that Halis is throwing at him. So that was a good contrast. But I think, and I think you're right. Yeah, I think Halis can push Sinner in the third round if they're, um, you know, certainly much more than Sinner was pushed yesterday, for example. But. Yeah, when it comes to Nori's heritage, he was basically born in Johannesburg, but lived in Auckland since like the age of three. And then at the age of 16, I think he moved to England. So yeah, he's like a huge mixture of the three. And when he played the final in Auckland earlier this year, he was actually choking super hard because it was like a bona fide home event for him. Even though, of course, he um, did he, I, I think he represented New Zealand as well, like in the juniors or something, or didn't he? That sounds um, right. Yeah, I, I think he did. Yeah, that's I, I don't want to be wrong about this, but yeah, until the two thousand until two thousand thirteen. So actually, until he was like seventeen, eighteen. So, so yeah, for yeah. Uh, for quite a long while. And apparently, he resides in Monaco. So uh, maybe he's actually a mixture of the four. Even, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. I also agree that you know, um, well, I guess I said it first, but like Alice should be very tough for Sinner. Just yeah, with the serve, you can always uh, keep it really close. I won't ramble um, on about this, like, um, you know, Alice choosing to play on clay after on Garros. Time, I've said it time and time again that I don't get it. Um, still think he, he actually could have gotten a lot more than 75 points if he just played three weeks on grass. But, you know, it, it's done. Clearly, it hasn't hampered his Wimbledon chances. He was absolutely fantastic today. 
And um, well, as I said, I didn't get to see that uh, these first two sets that much either. But in in the part of the match that I saw the the scoreline getting closer, it was actually just because Evans started playing much better rather than Alice doing something wrong other than the volley. And also the last match was. Um, the last match, of course, was uh, Thomas Martin Echeverri, Bernabe Zapata Mirage. We have another two sets to love down comeback. And actually, the, this match today started at um, two sets to one up for Zapata Mirage. So we, we only got two sets from it today. And honestly, it was just such a surprise to me to see these two guys um, playing on grass and you know just executing just amazing shot making time and time again. Uh, phenomenal um, rallies just you know in every single game maybe it's also an argument for these people who just you know claim that grass is basically like clay or hardcore right now because you know how, I, how are they doing it really uh, but yeah I just thought it was a really fabulous way to end the day which um, yeah I never would have expected to be so entertained by Echeverri and Zapata Mirales playing on grass yeah I had a similar takeaway too like I was I, I was like you know this is actually some pretty pretty high level stuff from both of them like they were they were playing some really good ball from the baseline and playing you know Zapata Morales at times was uh, was really getting really animated getting really into it like he just you know was was uh, throwing the punches on his forehand he was like hitting his backhand pretty deep and hard and like you know at times even getting more punches off of his serve than I can you know seem to recall on fa in, in faster conditions I guess you know with with the roof also being closed and it being kind of you know more, more or less, you know, slowed down to a certain extent. I think, uh, I, I think it certainly helped. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is why, like, that argument of like, uh, you know, you, you no longer see, like, for example, the '80s, where it's like Borg having to play a completely different style to win on serve and volley to win Wimbledon versus you know staying back at the baseline. It's much more homogenized. And I think this match is a pretty decent example of it. I mean, two like pretty bona fide clay court threats going at it. You know, on on grass for like potentially a, a place in the um in the third round if they get there to face Djokovic and like I think it was a good spectacle pretty pretty tight overall and actually like Zapata and Morales acquitted himself really really well like uh even even in the fifth set actually to win those three games from two four down and then just ask the question of uh Echeverri to like stay in the match and then you know you know eventually I think he did start to run out of gas a little bit in that five ball game and uh, you know, Echeverri came up with some good passing shots, but I think, uh, I think, yeah, it was it was looking it was looking troubling for him because I actually, you know, he should. That's a match like he should win on paper. Like he should yeah. get to the to the. Well, I mean, now he should get to the third round because that's where he's seated. But uh, but it will be interesting to watch him against Wawrinka. Yeah, Zapata Miraj has qualified for Wimbledon the last two times he played it, 2021-22. But I, I, I also felt like Echeverri should be winning this. Like, you know, he just has more on his serve, more on his forehand. Um, yeah, just more traits that could actually help him on the grass court. But clearly, you know, this this was a very good match. Similarly to Alice Evans, I mostly watched it today. I did not see much of it on the previous day. However, someone in my comments uh, on Twitter, I cannot remember who it was. Uh, I don't think I can find it very quickly, but someone on my, in my comments also said that it was excellent. Like the, the first part of the match um, was also fantastic. So I'm just going to believe that guy. And yeah, of course, uh, Zapata Mirage was granting was granting way too loudly, but that's that's um, that's how he usually does it. And I actually really like like these, um, you know, the, the antics of the guy and and how much. Um, uh, yeah, how many times he just you know falls on the floor and I don't know screams something crazy in Spanish. 
um, it's it's very entertaining to me. I, I I love that these sort of personalities get to the main tour and and yeah, then craziness happens and people do, people make gifts with them or or something. <laughs> Maybe uh, that was the highlight of Madrid this year when he beat Mackenzie McDonald. And oh just, yeah, you know, did you Absolutely. see that celebration? And then when he just just took off his shirt, just ripped it. It was like. Yeah, and he went. He went absolutely nuts. But... Yeah, he wins the opening round, right, and and uh, saves like a couple of match points against Mackie yeah. on clay, which honestly he should have won that match, of course. <laughs> and yeah, he barely scrapes through and 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 does that. So that's actually a perfect example to what I what I just said. I didn't even remember it at the time, but that's actually a perfect example. So thank you. And um, there were also some matches that started today. Um, so we should probably mention a few of these. I hope I still remember what started. I think like the, the main um, part, uh, like the, the main things to talk about are Berrettini for sure. Uh, we oh. could also mention how Fucevic Greek sport has been going. We could mention how Team Tsitsipas has been going. I think these are the most important ones. Has there been anything on the women's side? Not really, right? Like most of these matches haven't been that consequential for the event. So I guess let's start from Berrettini. You know, he got to a tie break in the opening set. And I guess compared to the match in Stuttgart, it was like night and day. Yeah, he, he definitely looked a lot better than he did in um, in Stuttgart. So that's that's positive. Uh, and I guess, well, I'll just have to wait and see more when he come, you know, when the match resumes yeah. and how it looks then because still pretty early stages. But uh yeah, I think he would have loved to win that first set in the tiebreak, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, if you compare it to Stuttgart, you know, that's so any any positive like, sign that you can hold on to, you'll take it if you're Mateo. Yeah, still still doesn't really make you think that he's going to, I don't know, reach yeah. the forefront and play Carlos, but, like, yeah, he was just so much better than Stuttgart, so maybe there's actually hope for him tomorrow. Although, you know, losing the opening set is obviously a setback and kind of gives him just less ability to, um, yeah, just drop a set or, um, yeah, have a, have a weaker couple of games. Uh, Dominic Team, Stefan Tsitsipas, was that interesting at all? You know, that was the, the big match when it comes to the names, but no one really expects high-level tennis out of it. I guess I'm kind of surprised that Team is up a set, though. Yeah, kind of. I went back and I watched the game where Tsitsipas got broken at 2-3 because mm -hmm. basically like, there were no other break points like, like you know, apart yeah. from that. And it was basically three shanked forehands at all fault. Um, and then, you know, a serve and volley attempt, or actually two shanks, my bad. And then and then a, a serve and volley attempt uh, off a second serve and then team just rips a backhand on the line pass. And then that's the break. And it's just, uh, yeah, it was not a good service game. For Sitsipas. And on the other hand, like, yeah, I mean, team, team is a lot more dangerous behind the baseline with his backhand, as we know. And I actually think, you know, it got, actually kind of got me thinking that, you know, team's clay resorts since, you know, the the comeback, I guess, you know, when he played the challenger match last year against Kashin, like mm -hmm. since that time, you know, his clay results and, and just the South American swing as well as the European swing, they've been, you know, his results have been a lot better on the quicker surfaces. Yeah. Like, like from the indoors and then also indoor like, season, especially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I wonder if that just simplifies life for him a lot more. Like just like you know, just serve big, hit big. Like just do what you normally do, and maybe you know, maybe like the extra time, like on the on the clay, and like the you know playing so far behind the baseline. Like maybe it just clarif maybe it just uh, simplifies things for a lot more. And he's got a good slice as well. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to go and become a grass specialist now, and then you know, get to the quarters or something of this tournament. But I think you know. 
I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if like some like going forward in his career now, like that's where some of his best results come because like that was the case also in 2019 and 2020. It was much more of a mixed bag in in terms of clay and hard. Yeah. He still doesn't have an ATP thousand title on clay, right? And he has yeah. an uh, ATP thousand title on hard, and he also of course has a Grand Slam title on hard. Um, yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, after the the injuries, he kind of has had to reinvent his game a bit. You know, he cannot just rely on that forehand anymore. And that's kind of what got him, you know, so good on clay that he was just standing these two meters behind the pacing and blasting balls. And he was especially good, perhaps in the best of five format. He was sort of like Vavrinka 2.0 uh, in a way, um, or maybe, uh, you know, the other way around. But uh, anyway, like they, they played a pretty similar game, I would say. And uh, right yeah. now he just cannot really pull it off because the forehand is not as much of a threat so yeah maybe right now he actually likes the quicker court where it has a bit more pop but at the same time also he can like you know just craft things up um yeah. realistically and yeah it, it makes all sense to me um what what you just said um okay. as well i think was just absolutely awful in return and perhaps this yeah. is actually why i thought that Pass was winning this much that yeah his serve was just going to be too good for our team and if he's going to be returning like that until the end of the match, that's actually not an asset at all. Because, yeah, he just shanks two returns every single um, game. So, yeah, we'll see how, we, how it looks tomorrow. But um, certainly not a great showing so far from Tsitsipas. And if anyone was doubting whether Murray should be favored if he plays Tsitsipas in round two, I think by now um, we're kind of clear on that, the fact that he should be the favorite. Um, not a huge one, but, like, yeah, he should be. Um, anyway, um, anything else from the matches that started today that you that you wanted to talk about? Mm, were there any like on the women's side that uh, we should? I'm, I'm looking at it, but like honestly, most of them. Like I, I watched some of Alexandrova beating Tavarro. You know, it was really clean. She she is actually going to have to save a break point at five two, but she or she has that one break um you know uh, as, as as a cushion so there, there's not nothing really that can happen there it seems potapova naev was pretty interesting too but um the russians also one set up um doesn't seem like the the 17 year old uh, swiss is kind is you know fully ready for this yet but certainly she has had a nice grass season as well with the venus win and mcnally i think as well in um in hertogenbosch um, yeah yeah Honestly, nothing, not not much else really on the women's side. Um, so maybe uh, let's talk about yeah, what's exciting tomorrow. As you said, uh, eighty-seven matches. Uh, some of them we already covered, like as as matches that excite us um, on the previous show yesterday. So um, is there anything that's like on the schedule tomorrow and maybe wasn't there before, like wasn't wasn't there on the schedule for Tuesday that excites you? Maybe there's some comments you have about, you know, the schedule itself being the fact that it's 87 matches and it's kind of hard for, um, yeah, it's kind of hard for them to, to find enough courts to <laughs> try to play out all of them. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people and I also thought uh, I've heard chatter about this on Twitter and I also kind of think you know if you start the matches on center or on court one a little bit earlier because mm -hmm. they you know especially in the first couple of days because they have that tradition that you know the defending champion yeah. opens the play at 1 30 p.m uh, I wonder if that's like something we should consider moving a little bit earlier in the day just for situations like this um, in the first couple of days but uh, but they also want to preserve the grass so I guess there's that argument too but I think uh, um, 
also like today there was, you know, I thought that they would put Fritz on today just because he was in the middle of the fifth set. So I thought logically that would have been the match to, to, uh, to have concluded. So I'm, 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 that's one I'm very curious about tomorrow. I just want to see the end of that match because it's very much up in the air. And if Fritz, you know, we talked about it, if Fritz gets through that match, then, you know, there's that possibility of Fritz and Sinner, which really excites me in the fourth round just based on their two matches that they played each other at Indian Wells and just how similar they are in many, many aspects in terms of their ball striking. But uh, I'm trying to think, you know, what else in terms of the schedule, uh, like, because there's now 87 matches. I mean, basically all that we talked about yesterday, we could pretty much just <laughs> say it's going to be more or less the same today because like, yeah, uh, most of those matches still apply, but I think uh, there's that one. Then, yeah, honestly, maybe maybe court two. This I, I want to see what happens at the end of uh, Fritz Hoffman and the end of Team Sitsipas. Oh, and then I'm also very fascinated by Carolina Mohova, just in general. Uh, like the the first match against Niemeyer, that's that's one I'll definitely have my eye on. And I just think out of all the top sixteen seeds, she maybe has the toughest route to get to the quarters, because if she wins this, then it doesn't get much easier. Like she could potentially face Noshkova. Hasn't been in brilliant form the last. Like since January, basically, but I think that's still a tricky t- second round. And then Alexandrova in the third yeah. round, the way she's been playing, that's pretty tough. And then fourth round against Sabalenka, that's just to get to the quarters. So I think, uh, yeah, the draw mm-hmm. gods and Mukhova, any favors? Yeah, Ghibli, we're not at that stage yet. Like, it, they're not likely to yeah. play two matches in a day yet. Um, there's, it, it's like highly likely that someone will play Wednesday first round, Thursday second round, and Friday third round if there's any more rain coming. I think right now they even won't have to do that, but we're definitely far away from two matches in a day so far. So, so it's yeah. not that bad. It's just a question of like how much they can actually do tomorrow because I think 87 of them, I don't think they, it will work out. And yeah, I, I understand that like the, the customary time is to start at 11, but maybe in this case, you know, if you have 87 matches, like some of, <laughs> some of these schedules just look, look really ambitious to me. Um, yeah. Let's even look at, I don't know, court number three is is what I have here. So you've got yeah. Tiafou. This is likely, th- this is, by the way, probably one of my favorite matches to uh, tomorrow. But, like I, this yeah. is likely to go three hours, three hours and a half, let's say. Then you have, you have Rune and Lofhagen, which um, someone also, Lofhagen, I have no clue how, how to read it actually. I was just doing it Lofhagen, but I have no clue. And uh, Ghosty um, was talking about it as well, that the fact that they went to the tiebreaker was kind of surprising, you know, so perhaps that also lasts like an hour and a half. And then you also have Kartal Kis, you also have Paulini Kvitova, and then Rublev Karatsev. So I don't think Rublev Karatsev will finish tomorrow. But again, it's not the end of the world because this is the second round. So so basically the, the big deal is to finish all of the first rounds tomorrow. And hopefully they will be able to do that. Um, you know, the forecast looks much, looks much better. Um, and McDonald's still um, stops serving breakfast at 10.30 in Poland. I don't know, <laughs> maybe in the States it's changed, <laughs> uh, by the way. Uh, but yeah, um, Ghibli, uh, there, has, there, there have been instances like this, yeah, uh, where because they had to, they started at 10 a.m. You know, it's very common on the ITF tour. Um, sometimes happens at chal- in Challengers. Some Challengers start, start at 10 a.m. ITF tour, it's very common. Um, on the ATP WTA side, it's happened 
but you know it's usually just the resource they go to when they actually need to and you're very right that like every single match muhova will play in this event is going to be fantastic yeah. um even if it's just one it's still muhova Niemeyer. but yeah muhova mm -hmm. noskova i think generally anytime you have linda noskova on like a pretty fast um rather low bouncing court she's also yeah. going to be pretty dangerous so and of course, Muhova Alexandrova would be like the match of the round. So I'm super excited for that too. Yep. Uh, I guess, oh yeah, if we were thinking about one match that uh, that mm -hmm. started, uh, but it's still in progress, the Muller Rindernesh. Are you surprised okay. to see Muller win the, win the first set? Also up a break, I think, right? But like it could be yeah. it could be done very quickly because he is two break points down, but he is up a break in the second set, technically. Yeah. And um, yeah, I guess um, anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I think hopefully if we get if we get through at least seventy five or eighty of these matches tomorrow, that would be that would be probably fantastic. And we're not, we're, like you said, we're not at the stage where like we're totally screwed because looking at the forecast, like it's supposed to be sunny until the weekend, and then mm -hmm. the weekend once it's the third fourth round, at least you have those two courts where you'll have a ton of tennis being played on with the ropes yeah. so um so yeah i think it's i think it's all about how tomorrow goes like just just have to be uh <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting comment that the obesity epidemic in the states is caused by mcdonald's serving all day breakfast in um in the <laughs> states um i think it's you know what does the breakfast have to do with it is is what interests me but uh, <laughs> McDonald's. And uh, yeah. I like the I like the breakfast offer, but it's it's kind of more it's a lot more expensive than the and than the usual than the usual one at least in Poland. Anyway, um, yeah, as as Vance said, we probably covered it all because well, it was a very short day, so this episode yeah. is just like thirty seven minutes I see uh, right now. But tomorrow there's probably going to be a lot more action. Uh, from what I know, I think it's going to be me and Vance returning again. Yeah. So. You know, yes. see you guys tomorrow. But if you're already getting tired of us, then uh, don't worry. On Thursday, there's going to be Nick and Miles coming in. I think I'm also unavailable on Friday. So you're not going to see me for like a couple of days. So don't worry. You're going to have some other people to uh, to talk tennis to um, yeah. as we are on Talking Tennis after all. And uh, yeah, thank you guys as usual. Uh, thank you, Vansh, too. And um, yeah, see you tomorrow. I know you. I know you aren't tired, but you know, um, I just have to joke a bit but thank you but thank you for confirming that you know yeah uh, who is miles um you might know his like tuned into tennis is that the name um yeah. podcast i think you can you can um, look look, look yeah. it up probably on twitter miles, miles david is his uh, name it's miles with an uh, y instead of uh, i yeah so um see you guys yep see ya Sports Social Podcast Network.